Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where chest bumps roasting on an open fire, Jack Londale with five DNPs in a row. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Mary, let's try and trade D'Angelo Russell for the 500th time to you. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, happy Merry Holidaymas to you, my friend. Thank you. I don't know what that means. That's just my non-denominational neutral holiday greeting to you. Merry, happy Holidaymas. Don't want to offend anybody by saying Christmas. Oops, I just said it. But anyways, very merry, happy Holidaymas to you, Tommy. Very merry, happy Holidaymas to all of our listeners. Hope everybody had a great December 25th, whatever you celebrate on that very day. I hope it was filled with joy, with lots of friends, good food, and family. But as it pertains to this episode, this is another one of our holiday break trade hypothetical podcasts, and today we are going to be delving into some D'Angelo Russell trades. Dun, dun, dun. But before we get to those D'Angelo Russell trade options, in line with the holidays, I'm sure most of you at this point have already opened up a multitude of different exciting lit presents. So in line with that same theme, Tommy, when it comes to opening up presents during this time of the year, what would you say is the most practical slash useful gift your partner has given to you during Christmas slash holiday miss? Um... I think that the most practical gift she's ever gotten for me. So my first year working at my job, she got me like a leather like bag to like carry my laptop and stuff in. And it wasn't like, you know, there are obviously some crazy expensive leather. I mean, this was just like, I think it was fossil. It wasn't like a super, it wasn't like a luxury brand or something, but I've had the bag for like eight years. Every time I use it, 
which is every day pretty much I think about her and it was just uh, extremely extremely practical it's lasted for a really long time and honestly because it's like leather it's like kind of ages and looks better with age almost so um it's been it's been uh, really nice dang I like that eight years you said yeah she got it for me when I just started like just after I started like working at, at uh, my firm it was like the first two months I was on, I started in like October or something. The first two months I was at the job, I um, just had like some, you know, I don't know, some cheapo like old bag that I was using maybe in law school or, or something like that. But um, for Christmas that year, she got me a a nicer leather bag, and I'm still I'm still using it today. I'm using it right now. Hey, look at that. Good job, Nicole. That was like a year before we started this podcast. So the entirety of this podcast, you've been using that bag. Uh, Yeah, that's a great useful slash practical gift. I think for me, the most useful slash practical gift that my girlfriend Sung has gotten me for Christmas slash holiday miss would be she got me, I think two years ago, some Hoka running shoes, uh, these teal Hoka running shoes. And over the last two years, I have run about 500 miles per year on him so i've really used them they've really served me well not to i guess that's a humble brag right <laughs> i've run 500 brag. miles every, every year <laughs> uh but no they have actually helped me counteract my bad eating habits and fun tip for those who don't like running or for those who are lucky enough to have a gym where they use a treadmill to run one thing to do is try and learn a language while you run i've been learning korean as i run and that's helped me help motivate me to run because if I don't run, that means I don't learn Korean for the day. And so so while I'm running, I, I, I prop up my phone and uh, take Korean lessons online. Uh, so hot tip for those who want to run. Uh, anyways, for this short holiday episode, as we inch closer to the new year, as we inch closer to the new Kobe year, 2024, what better way to turn over a new leaf than by turning over yet another point guard? So let's talk about some D'Angelo Russell trades. (laughs) Uh, So today we're specifically going to be talking about trading D'Angelo Russell for another ball handler slash playmaker. We are past December 15th at this point, which means D'Lo, Gabe, Prince, Wood, Cam, etc. are all eligible to be traded. Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura are eligible to be traded by January 15th. But seriously, before we get started, I'm just going to caveat things by saying We do not want to trade D'Angelo Russell, but his name is inevitably going to be brought up in any trade rumors because he has the most substantial salary ballast and is the most movable contract on the team currently at $17 million. He's essentially an expiring contract. He waived his no trade clause. Um, He does have a player option for $20 million, but again, that is such a cheap cost for him that even if he picks up that player option, I'm sure the team that gets him wouldn't mind. But again, we do not want to trade D'Angelo Russell. We are just doing this segment as part of discussion um, and because we know fans love to trade him any chance they get. So before I get to some of the names, Tommy, very briefly, give me your one to two minutes on your thoughts on D'Angelo Russell's season thus far and what fans may be overlooking in their haste to trade out another Russell. Uh, but do it under the prism of what he actually brings to the table for this team and what the Lakers would need to be mindful of in any trade where they ship him out. So I I think this is so much harder than people make this out to be, by the way. It's just like every team has a guy that is just like chronically undervalued. And 
somehow that became D'Angelo Russell for us, even though we got him on this like pretty bargain deal when you look at like the rest of the market. So I actually can't think of anyone. I'm curious to like see or like listen to like some of the proposals you have, but like the thing I just like a very brief reason why it's going to be hard to think of some a, a good return for D'Lo is because he's not just a point guard, right? There's D'Lo can play point guard for you. He could play with another point guard and be a shooting guard for you. He could play as your primary playmaker if LeBron James is injured. He can be a secondary playmaker if if LeBron and Austin, everybody else is playing, right? Like we saw in just the game recently, like LeBron sat out, D'Lo came in and got 10 assists. And it's like he's doing it in such a way that it's like, I don't know how you feel when you watch him this season, but it's and I haven't looked at the usage number, so I could be totally off. But it feels like this guy like almost never like so rarely has the ball in his hands. And you look mm-hmm. at the box score at the end of the game and it's like he's got eight assists. And it, yeah. it's like you, there are not a lot of point guards who can do that. Like there are point guards who could be playmakers famously in 2019-20, right? We had Rondo and he ended up being huge for us in the playoffs. That um, was a huge reason why we won the championship that year. But Rondo is what you were going to get from most. I want a point guard type, you know, playmate. I want a playmaking point guard like type players, like a guy who needs the ball in his hands and needs to direct and and kind of dictate the offense the way he sees fit and then that's like you know he can generate assists that way the crazy thing to me about watching D'Lo this year is like he's just plugged in at any you know in any kind of context like multiple contexts like any situation use high usage low usage mostly low usage it feels like just by the eye test and he's able to do whatever the team wants him to do. And anyway, for all these reasons, it's just, it's why I struggle to come up with a better option. Well, also it's not even in D'Angelo Russell's primary nature to do this because he's really a scoring, scoring point guard who can play make. Right. And so he's taking a back seat, especially now that he's with the starters and Austin Reeves is off the bench in some cases, you may argue, man, D'Angelo Russell could be averaging 20 points if they f- swap positions, right? And he's able to lead that bench unit the way Austin Reeves is. But as the starting point guard, he is tasked to set up AD, set up LeBron James, and then also concede to LeBron James at times. So he has a difficult role, and I feel like this season, in spite of the inconsistencies with scoring and you know lapses on defense, he's done a really, really solid job for us. And there are not a lot of guards doing what D'Angelo Russell does in terms of being a modern-day NBA guard who can space, can play make, and then also take a back seat and just play off ball, you know? I, I know people always complain about his defense, rightfully so, but how many other ball-handling scoring guards of his ilk are actually good on defense? Those that are are either out-of-reach all-stars like Drew Holiday or they have huge deficiencies offensively, like a Dennis Schroeder, right? That affect how your entire team plays. So, summary, most guards suck at D. Only a handful replacement-type guys out there, there are only a handful of replacement-type guys out there who actually play better defense than D'Angelo Russell. And most importantly, you, you mentioned the playmaking, but of the Lakers' primary ball handlers this season, LeBron James, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, D'Lo has the lowest turnover percentage. He has been the best ball handler, and he's been the best non-LeBron James playmaker on the team by far. 
In terms of passing duos, the D'Lo to AD tandem is in the top 25 of best passing duos in the league. And guess what? The D'Lo to LeBron tandem is in the top 30 of best passing duos in the league. So D'Lo is servicing both AD and LeBron as the assist guy. It's crazy. So that's our caveat on why I think fans have to be very careful. Not that we shouldn't trade D'Angelo Russell, but it's not an easy one-for-one swap. If we're losing D'Angelo Russell, we better be getting some sort of ball handler back at the very least, you know, if not an equal playmaker. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so with that in mind, you said that you don't have any players off the top of your head, right? Right. Okay, so I'll list off three players off the top of my head that are pie in the sky that I think you'd agree with me that we'd probably make that swap. Kyrie Irving, Drew Holiday, DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) so pretty simple, right? But I think those players are going to require additional assets beside D'Angelo Russell, right? Yes, Uh, Additional draft capital. Now, the one guy who may be more attainable, actually, the one guy out of that group who may be more attainable might be DeJounte Murray just because he's in a situation where his team already has their true point guard in Trey Young, right? And DeJounte Murray is 6'5". He's 27 years old. He did just sign a new extension with the Hawks. He's making $17 million this year and then 24 to $30 million the next four years after that, all the way till 2027, 2028. He's averaging 20 points, 5.4 assists, 1.6 steals, 45% from the field. And here's the kicker. 39% from three hitting 2.3 a game. This is kind of a new development for DeJounte because he's never been an efficient three-point shooter at that high of a volume. If that three-point shot is real, then I'm 100% in. He did hit 1.83s last year, but only shot 34% from three. Um, if he can maintain that efficiency at like 38, 39% while hitting 2.3 a game, that's amazing. Now, I don't know what it would take to trade for DeJounte Murray, but let's say it's D'Lo, 2029 first, JHS, um, and whatever seconds they want. Would you make that deal for DeJounte Murray? Because I think that's all it's going to take because he's only making $17 million this year. I mean, if I think DeJounte Murray's a super... If DeJounte Murray was put out on the market, I don't think it's a one first-round pick type of trade. I think you basically have to trade every... I mean, like for a team like us that has limited assets, you trade like every first-round pick you have available. I mean, recall what the Hawks gave up for him, right? So, and there are, and yes, they have Trey Young and and they have some other guards there, but that's they had those guys, you know, certainly they had Trey Young when they got DeJounte Murray. And part of the justification was they need somebody to play defense. DeJounte Murray is just an all around outstanding player. Like for some reason, he doesn't get talked about in the same breath as like a Drew Holiday, maybe because he played most of his career on the Spurs while they were like really bad. But, um, he is an elite defender. He's one of the best backcourt defenders in the NBA. You mentioned the new development with the three-point shooting. He's steady with the ball and doesn't make a lot of stupid mistakes because he came up in the, like, you know, kind of grew up in the Greg Popovich system. He's just really good at everything on the court. There's a reason he's getting paid, like, you know, 24 to 30, as you mentioned, with his extension for until, you know, for the next four years. So 
I I don't think there is any real feasible way we can get him. But yes, I would I would trade D'Angelo. I would trade a lot of guys to get him. Um, but I I just don't think it's possible. Yeah, I I'm a little lower on Dejounte just because I'm again worried about the shooting fit with LeBron and AD. It might be a little bit clunky, but he is a very dynamic athletic player who obviously has more downhill driving abilities than, than a D'Angelo Russell and also higher defensive ceiling and ability. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Probably not likely for the Lakers and the Lakers will probably have to tack on more than just a first if that. So why don't we take it to break? That, that'll that do it for just like the pie in the sky guys that we won't even bother going deeper into. Kyrie, Drew, and DeJounte. I think he's probably not mentioned in the same breath as those other guys because his three-point shot hasn't come around yet. But again, if he can sustain what he's doing right now, then that's an entirely different story. But yeah, so those are the high... High upside pie in the sky, guys. When we get back from break, I'm going to give you more of the attainable guys, and then we'll see where we draw the line with regards to it might just be better to keep the continuity and keep D'Angelo Russell. So we will catch you guys after the break. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so we are back. I'm just going to caveat things again and say that for these trade options, Tommy, we're just going to assume that these teams are interested in a D'Angelo Russell stopgap option at point guard. And whatever draft capital we have to include in the deal, JHS, our 2029 first, a swap, maybe some seconds, they're okay with getting that from us, okay? So I I split these lists up in older, more veteran guys and then younger guys with higher upside. I'm just going to list them all out, and then you tell me if you like anyone or all of them from those lists, okay? Okay. So in this first list, the older, more veteran guys, I have four options for you. Number one, Malcolm Brogdon, 31 years old. He's making $22 million this year, $22 million next year. He's also 6'4", 6'5". This year with the Blazers, he's averaging 17 points, 6 assists, 41% from the field, 38% from three. Sturdier player, uh, better defender, you know Malcolm Brogdon. Next one, Spencer Dinwiddie, 30 years old, $18 million expiring this year, also 6'5", 15 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 40% from the field, 34% from 3, hitting 2.2 a game. Why don't we just stop right there, because I don't want to go further. So your thoughts on Malcolm Brogdon and Spencer Dinwiddie. So Dinwiddie, I just feel like is, and again, I, I'm not trying to be harsh to any Spencer Dinwiddie fans who happen to be listening to this podcast, but um, Dinwiddie to me is just like a poor man's D'Angelo. I mean, I know he his yeah. style of play is a little bit different, but like, he's just like a pretty, he's like an inefficient, like volume scorer. Like he needs, he needs touches. He needs shots. 
he's going to put up numbers on bad teams. I he is a firecracker, right? But it's like, why does that matter, right? For this, for our context, like we have D'Angelo Russell. Like if D'Angelo was like willing to come out and bomb twenty shots a night, like he might have some nights where he goes off too, mm-hmm. right? Like so, it, it's just like those. That's not really a huge benefit. I think. I like Matt Malcolm Brogdon as a player. I think a lot of guys would, um, a lot of fans would say they would swap D'Lo for Malcolm Brogdon for defensive reasons alone. And again, he's D'Lo's got this reputation. I think largely stemming from his, uh, you know, more junior years in the league. But Malcolm Brogdon is probably viewed as being more steady than D'Lo compared to, you know, for a lot of people. I just, you know, we. We've seen it, right, this year without Gabe Vincent, who, by the way, himself is, like, kind of a mediocre playmaker. But, like, even in the lineups where LeBron is out there, like, secondary playmaking has been a problem. Now, we have guys who are talented, so we have guys who are racking up assists. I think Austin's assist numbers are career high, like, kind of at the levels we talked about preseason, what would be like a nice, like nice numbers for him, like over five. He, he's been, he's been putting up the numbers. That doesn't mean that he is purely a playmaker. And I kind of put Malcolm Brogdon in that sort of bucket. Like he can get you assists, but like D'Angelo Russell can make plays happen. And, and, and he's done it consistently. And, and to your point with LeBron and AD, he's, he has like a year of experience doing it now. So it's not enough of a jump in any other category for me to get like super excited about it. But at the same yeah. time, if they did it, I wouldn't complain because, you know, they clearly then would have a vision of how they want to use Brogdon and, and the issues maybe we're having defensively in the backcourt. But but it's not like something I'm jumping up to do for sure. Well, and here's why you're not doing it or you're not jumping for Malcolm Brogdon. It's the durability issue. You know, I, yeah, I believe the Clippers I believe the Clippers reneged on their deal with the Celtics because they had saw something in the physical that they didn't like, right? And so if you can tell me that the next two years that Malcolm Brogdon is making twenty two million dollars, that he's gonna play sixty five games, then I could be more convinced, you know what I mean? But the other thing too about Malcolm Brogdon is he's like a steady orchestrator. I mean, he is averaging six assists and he is shooting thirty eight percent from three hitting two a game, but I just feel like he doesn't give you the offensive upside that a D'Angelo Russell would where yeah if LeBron is sitting or AD is sitting can Malcolm Brogdon get us 30 points like D'Angelo Russell can and can he get that hot from three like D'Angelo Russell can he's kind of like an Andre Miller who can shoot threes you know what I mean so I like his steadiness I like the higher floor that he gives us than a D'Angelo Russell would but at this point you know you're just kind of nitpicking you might as well stick with the continuity and the added health, you know? So exactly. Um, okay. Last two guys on this list of older, more veteran guys, Terry Rozier, six, one, 29 years old. He's making $23 million this year, $25 million next year, partial guarantee, $26 million in 25, 26. He's averaging 24 points, 7.6 assists, 1.1 steals, 40% from three hitting 2.8 a game this year, including 48% from the field. I'm not sure how much of that is just rooter in a what is it? Rooter in a riot type stuff, but that's very impressive. But he is 6'1, so there's that. And then the last guy, this is kind of like teetering on the edge of whether he's even a playmaker slash ball handler, but he can get you assists and he is a primary initiator. 
Second guy is Karis Levert, 6'6". He's the tallest of this group, the lankiest of this group. 29 years old, $15 million this year, $16 million next year. He's averaging 15 points, 3.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists off the bench, 41% from the field, 31% from three, hitting 1.6 a game. Um, He has missed a couple of games recently that may have thrown his season off a bit. Um, Last year, he did shoot 39% from three, hitting 1.7 a game. But your quick thoughts on Terry Rozier and Karis Levert and whether you'd trade D'Lo for any of them. Yeah, so we've started this off by saying, like, you know, D'Lo isn't exactly like a traditional point guard. He's more of a scorer. I mean, yeah, he's not traditional in the sense of, like, he's not like a Chris Paul, Steve Nash point guard. I think he's more of a point guard than anyone on this list, frankly. But he, uh, look, Terry Rozier, if we needed just pure, pure firepower offense... You know, Terry Rozier is a guy that we talked about for, you know, basically the entire time Russell's on our team about like somebody who might be nice to to pick up because he can score, um, he can shoot threes, you know, he he can play make a little bit. I think like, again, when you think about a lot of people's problem with D'Lo, which is potential defensive issues, Terry Rozier doesn't help you there. In fact, you have a guy specifically out there who teams are going to pick on. Um, mm-hmm. I think with uh, Karis LeVert, I, I sort of have similar like durability issues. I mean, I maybe I'm thinking of years that he's the years that he sat out and maybe generally he hasn't been that injured. I didn't follow him as closely as you have, I don't think. But um, I have those types of issues, too. And again, I come back to. If LeBron James is sitting out a game, which I think we were among the league leaders in back-to-backs this season, so like there's going to be a handful of games the rest of the year that he sits out beyond you know just getting injured, which he, which might happen. Hey, are you telling me that we can actually roll out there with Karis LeVert as our starting point guard and just like that's going to work running an offense? I just don't, you know that like again, yeah. it's like D'Lo might not be the point guard that everybody wants in like the Rajon Rondo mold, but like. D'Lo, like I was saying, like last night, as of the day we were recording this, Lakers had just played a back-to-back. LeBron came in, uh, like, excuse me, LeBron sat out. D'Lo came in and in like 30 minutes had 10 assists and, you know, just a couple turnovers and didn't even really feel like he dominated the ball all that much. So I don't really view like any of these guys as as being someone who can do that. And the thing is, we are running more of a system offense than we have in the past, but as we've seen with like the Clippers teams of the past few years um, that lacked a true point guard. Um, and we've seen, you know, I, with, with our group, like when you have stars, like you, there's going to be a fair amount of isolation happening to get the stars, the looks that they need. Um, Cause those are going to end up being like a decent chunk of your high percentage looks. And somebody has to be able to get them the ball, you know? So it, D'Lo as a floor general and organizer to me is just like a step above a lot of these guys, to be honest. Yeah. And I think with Terry Rogier, I apologize. This is bugging me. I think I called him a rooter in a riot. That should be looter in a riot. I, I don't, I don't even know what a rooter is. Anyways. Yeah, I agree with Roto-Rooter. you. <laughs> Roto-Rooter. Uh, for Karis Levert, he's intriguing just because he gives you higher defensive upside. It's like getting like Cam Reddish who can actually play make for you, but he is, and he's averaged like 19 points anytime one of Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell has been injured, but he is a much more highly inefficient player than D'Angelo Russell. You can't really count on his three-point shooting, very streaky, and his decision-making can drive you nuts. So in that case, like, better to just keep D'Angelo Russell at that point. 
Okay, picking up the pace, these last few guys. This is the younger guys with maybe higher upside. Are you ready for this? Yes. Kobe White, 6'4", 23 years old. He's making $11 million this year, $12 million next year, $12.8 million the year after that. Essentially the full mid-level this past season. He's Gilbert Arenas E, uh, Tyrese Maxi E. Um, this season especially, he's made a huge leap with Zach Levine out of the lineup. 16.7 points, 4.5 assists, shooting 43% from three and hitting 3.23s a game. God damn. He had a stretch to start December where he had 31 points and six assists, 19 points and five assists, 24 points and six assists, 33 points and four assists, 27 points and eight assists. And I believe the Bulls were actually winning these games too. Um, so there's Kobe White. Next one, Emmanuel Quickly, 6'2", New York Knicks, 24 years old. He's making $4 million this year, but will be a restricted free agent next year. I call Emmanuel Quickly like an in-between of Bones Highland and Tyrese Maxey. Great upside, does need to be paid soon. He's averaging 15 points, 2.7 assists, 44% from the field, 38% from three, hitting 2.1 a game. Plays with great burst and speed, kind of Jamal Crawford-esque as well. There's Emmanuel quickly. Um, last two on this list are from the same team. Markel Fultz, 6'4", former number one pick, Markel Fultz. He's 25 years old, is an expiring $17 million this year. He has been injured for much of this year and missed a ton of time. Only played five games up until the point of this recording. Um, averaging 11 points, four assists, one steal, and 48% from the field. Last year, he did average 14 points, 5.7 assists, 1.7 steals, 51% from the field, but only 31% from three, only hitting 0.5 a game. And then lastly, his teammate Cole Anthony, 6'2", 23 years old. He did receive a contract extension from the Magic, will make $12.9 million next year, $13 million, 25-26, and then the Magic have a club option of $13 million in 26-27. Cole Anthony is averaging 15 points, 3.6 assists, 45% from the field, 37% from three, hitting 1.4 a game. So that's Kobe White, Emmanuel Quickly, Markel Fultz, and Cole Anthony. Do you like any of those guys for D'Angelo Russell? Okay, so the for sure yes for me on this list. And acknowledging that we will need to fill some gaps here if we do do this. But I'm actually like, and we talked about this a little bit offline the other day. I'm I'm a big Cole, uh, excuse me, um, Kobe White guy. Um, mm -hmm. When Kobe White came out of college from Carolina, right? Like, he was obviously like a top 10 pick. I loosely, you know, obviously back then we were following the draft a lot more closely, but I was tracking the beginning of his career. And one of my uncles is actually like a big Bulls fan. So like I would talk to him about Kobe White from time to time, but he was, he is like, my uncle described it as like, it's a problem because he's a perimeter player and he's supposed to be a shooter, but he can't shoot. And I'm like, okay, that is a problem. Um, Kobe White got off to a really slow start, I think, with his career with the Bulls. If you watched him, which, you know, we only saw him a couple times a year. I don't think either of us were watching every Bulls game. But in those Bulls games, like, you would kind of see, you would see the numbers, which were alarming. It was like, how is this guy shooting, like, mid-30s across the board and, like, sub-30 from three? And then you would watch the games, and he would just be running around out there chucking up shots that made no sense, and they were just horrible bricks. Somehow, he's figured out how to play basketball very well. Um, and I think it started with his defense. 
he like at mm-hmm. some point became just like a very prolific perimeter defender. And from there, every other piece of his game is sort of elevated. Like he was supposed to be a shooter or like be a decent shooter coming out of college. Now that his confidence has kind of gone up in other areas, he's kind of made himself into a pretty nice scorer. Like he's one of these guys who, yeah, he's smaller than D'Angelo, but he plays pretty big for his size. Um, Like, you know, he can't switch one through three necessarily in any matchup, but he holds his own. Um, you know, there are other smaller guys. Gabe Vincent, right? Is like Gabe Vincent's smaller, I think, but he's a good example of someone who plays above his size, arguably. Um, Kobe White, I'm doing that trade like pretty much any time. Although I acknowledge that like we we lose a lot of playmaking by doing that trade, and we would have to figure out how to address that in another way. So that that's one factor. Um the only other guy on that list I'm mildly intrigued by is Emmanuel Quickly. I mm-hmm. uh, same thing. The defense is there. I, you know, I I don't think he is as good of a playmaker right now as D'Angelo. So maybe we have to address that too. But he plays with so much downhill speed, and with the kind of I don't want to say youth movement because it's not like we have a team full of second and third year players, but our roster is built to run and sometimes it does not feel like we are advancing the you know we don't we don't have that like individual speedster guy you can just give the ball to and he's going to be down the court before everybody else like we sort of had that dynamic last year with Schroeder a little bit and Schroeder like you mentioned some of his like deficiencies that he sort of brings but so that's like a factor but you know having a guy you can just throw the ball too quickly off a rebound and he's like you blink and he's at the your your own free throw line like in in one second like there's some value to that and and so i think for that reason i'm kind of interested in quickly um the other guys i'm not super interested in we're not in a situation where d'angelo is like you know damaged goods and we're just trying to cut our losses and, and get whatever potential up young upside guy we we can get um yeah you know, we have D'Angelo's bird rights, I'm pretty sure, don't we still? Because we mm-hmm. signed, we, yeah, so like, we didn't have to renounce him to sign him last season. We still have his bird rights. I mean, if he has a good year this year and is willing to, we could keep him long term on it. I mean, who knows, right? So like, it, we're not in that situation. And I just feel like you don't, we're not really moving the needle by getting either of the other, uh, any of the other guys. Yeah, Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony. You, you'd you hope Cole Anthony would become D'Angelo Russell, essentially. Um, and I agree with you. I would do it for Kobe White. I think Kobe White just needed some time in the NBA because his comp coming out of college, I, I vividly remember this, was Gilbert Arenas. Because he was a scorer, he pulls up from three, et cetera, et cetera. It just took him time to be more consistent on that end. And then all of a sudden, bring together this defensive part of his game from the guard position. Emmanuel quickly, you're right. He's downhill. He's quick, but he's also hitting 2.13s a game, shooting 38% from three, right? So you don't have that same problem with, uh, as you would with a Dennis Schroeder whose release is so slow. So Kobe White and Emmanuel quickly for D'Angelo Russell. Yes, their teams are likely not doing it. So it's a moot point, but this just shows you how tough it is to even find like a trade partner for D'Angelo Russell that gives you back a playmaker or a ball handler that makes it worth it. So that's the point of this episode. We'll cut it here. Once again, everybody, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah. 
Hope you guys all had a fantastic winter break. We are now rounding the corner quickly into 2024, our Kobe year, and we wish everybody out there a happy new year as well. Again, thanks for rocking with the LLP. We will be back in January, the first week of January sometime, with a fresh new episode where we'll talk about how the Lakers have fared in their grueling end of December into January stretch. But for now, thank you for listening. We hope this helped fill the winter holiday void for you guys in terms of podcast listening. Again, we're sorry that it's not time-sensitively relevant to what's currently going on. Hope everybody on the Lakers has managed to come away unscathed without any long-term injuries as I'm talking. But yeah, again, we'll be back at the start of January with a fresh new episode. Till then, follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Search us up on Spotify and hit the five-star dial at the top of our page. We would greatly appreciate it. But yeah, with that said, Happy New Year. Tommy, I will catch you later. Peace. Laters. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.